0: Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Tonight, we're going to discuss the timeline of the Sandy Hook school shooting, information about the victims, and how the reformations to gun laws were indicted after this case. I'm Kylie. And I'm Zena. And tonight, we're wrapping up our two-part case of Sandy Hook. guys (laughs) Hey guys, <laughs> do you want to know what we're talking about? We're gonna talk about how. Okay, I have two things. The first thing is, can we talk about how not autistic I am? <laughs> Come, okay, compared to me and Corey, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So <clears throat> we have like seven different group chats at this point. At Um, least. Minimum. Minimum. And all of them have been shared of some sort of spreadsheet made by Thena. I like spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) And this, this chat goes off so much because people can't talk in a normal <laughs> okay sentence. No, no, no 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 okay we,
1: we talk how our thoughts progress so instead yes. of typing a giant paragraph uh-huh. aggressively like kylie does where she types all this stuff that you have to read <laughs> and compile into thoughts we type each thought separately uh-huh. so you type how you talk
0: with each one being separate <laughs> it works it I come back to my phone so many times I have like 40 on red messages. It's fine. It's good. Okay. It's fine. Uh What's number two? Oh, okay. So this is really weird. So the time 729 haunts me. No joke. It's 744. I literally look at the clock every single day at 729 on the dot every time. And it's super weird because that was my ex's sub. That was like the number that he was on. Okay. Yes. And we both had the conversation about it, obviously, before we, we broke up, um, that it haunts us. Like every single time we look at it, it's 729.
1: My favorite number is 22. It is not my favorite number. <laughs> it haunts oh, fuck me.
0: Myself. I'm so sorry for trying to relate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, it's not my favorite number. This is no relatable concept. It is just it's haunting me. It's like, what is that? What is that movie? Where is it twenty-two? I haunts him. I oh forty-four. Forty four. The number that one with Jim Carrey? Yes. I don't know. Is it eleven? I don't know. Twenty
1: one. The number <laughs> I don't know, but it's called the number something and it's the number, but now I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm still going to tell my story, even though you're mean. <laughs> okay. I'll figure out this. So my favorite movie. number is 22 and I have two sets of 22 tattooed on my body because of it. That's all. 23. The so number 23 is
0: the name of the movie. Okay. Mm, very wrong. Yes. Every, every, every time. Every number we said was wrong. <laughs> I
1: said 21. I was, was close. Um, but yeah, my favorite number is 22 and I have a red 22 tattooed on me. Funny enough. Yeah. So I have a red 22 tattooed on me. And then I got that tattooed on me. And then the next year, Taylor Swift said, Hey guys, I'm going to write a new album. And we're all like, Oh, yeah. And she goes, Yeah. The first song I'm going to release on that album is called 22. And I was like, Oh, that's funny. And then she goes, Okay, guys, I'm going to release my second song from that album. And I was like, Ooh, what is it? And she goes, It's called Red. And I was like, Wait a minute. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. What? I feel like something's going on here. That was it. That
0: was the only but Her favorite number is 13.
1: Mm hmm. Well, because her birthday is December 13th. Yeah. But she was turning 22. Right. So she wrote a song. The called. song. Yeah.
0: 22. Uh, disclaimer, I'm still congested. Oh, that's my other thing I was going to say. Kylie's oh. still sick. Yep. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I also worked at an immediate care center all day today. So, you know, now everyone in the world sick. <laughs> Immediately. Because <laughs> <Immediately. laughs> it's in the word. Yeah. 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 A lot of COVID going around, guys. Uh, stay healthy. And, is your hand sanitizer?
1: Um, My foot is still awful. Corey asked today. He said, how's your foot look? And I showed it to him and he goes, that looks awful. Yep. And I said, OK, I thought it looked better. Nope. Is it better? No.
0: OK. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. All
1: right. Um, but I keep pretending it is because I'm over it. I'm just so sick of it. It's just inconvenient. So. Yep. And then I went to Menards and the guy <laughs> that was helping me said, Hey, um, I said, hey, I need your help finding this exact item. And I showed him what I needed. And he said, oh, okay, I'll show you. But if I walk slow, I'm sorry. It's because I have a broken foot. And I looked at him, I go, ha ha, same. And he thought I was making fun of him. And like when I was walking, I think he thought I was making fun of him. But I I wasn't. That's sad. I was like, oh, you didn't disclaim? (laughs) No. Okay. He was a chatterbox and I just let him chit chat. So you ready to talk about the case? No oh well
0: we're gonna do it anyway we're gonna though. do it anyway
1: <laughs> so this is part two of a two-part case so if you didn't listen to part one you're, get out here you're you're weird
0: so <laughs> that's all there is to say about it if you're if you didn't listen to part one it's like when you walk into the wrong classroom like oh shit i'm not supposed to be in here <laughs> do did you watch the office yes and Pam Beasley does that d- and did that. And she, she tries to
1: stand up and leave the classroom. And she's like, I'm in, I'm in the wrong class. And the teacher's like, oh, I'm boring you already. Sit back down. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'm in the wrong. And they're like, no, sit down. Yeah. they're like, that's my biggest fear. <laughs> like,
0: this time of day. Oh, no.
1: OK. <laughs> so in I'm going to kind of remind you where we left off in part one of Sandy Hook, because it's going to tie in, obviously, to part two. In part one of the two part series. We discussed Adam Lanza and his life. We discussed it a lot, talking about the psychology of his his upbringing, as well as kind of like the psychology behind it, how he was potentially neglected and how he was raised and all that kind of stuff. And we also discussed how some podcasts say that you should only focus on the victims and speak out about them because like the whole concept of like they're the ones whose lives were cut too short. And that if you give the killer more credit, airtime or name drop, it's giving them exactly what they want. And that's really wrong to do. And I was talking about how I don't always see that side of things, because also you want to give the context of why that person chose to have that lifestyle or become the way they were. So doing that, I decided to talk about Adam and his life because I wanted people to understand just how he was and why they decided to like reform and change things after this, because it also like a lot of the changes were also about how children are treated as they're growing up and like how psychology goes into all this and stuff. And that wouldn't have made sense without knowing how Adam was brought up because Adam was constantly being like under the radar of getting help. And if you wouldn't have known that from part one, you would have been like, OK, why was that like rule changed so. All that needed addressed and talked about. And now we're on to part two and part two is going to be a lot more emotional. I ended part one with talking about how Adam packed up three guns while leaving the house as he was stealing his mother, Nancy Lanza's car after he had just shot her and he was heading towards the elementary school. There was only moments after shooting his own. um, This was only moments after he had shot his own mother that he actually started heading over to Sandy Hook Elementary School. On the day of the event, there were just under 500 students at the school and there was 91 employees that were currently on the payroll. It doesn't mean that they were all
0: there, but that's how many were currently listed. That's seems like a lot. I didn't go to a very big, well, okay. I went to an elementary school that had three different elementary schools. So like you were given one elementary school from where your location is, like where your address is, whichever is closest is the one you go to. So I guess- 500 students with 91 teachers would have been the case, but we didn't have enough space. That just seems like a lot of people to me for an elementary school. I think that was about the size of mine. Really? I think so. Hmm. Or it wasn't. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it was ages ages ago. ago.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounded really... I feel like my middle school, that was about the size. Like my... I mean, my elementary school, my middle school and my high school wasn't, but my elementary school, that sounds about right. I went to a much smaller elementary school than middle school and high school. I went to multiple middle schools because I transferred and stuff, but both the elementary schools I went to were very weird. The first element uh, middle school I went to, it was sixth through eighth grade,
0: which was odd because it had like that extra grade in it. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Extra grade in it. What are you talking about? Having sixth grade. That's a normal thing. No. Yes. Middle schools are seventh and eighth grade. No. And elementary (laughs) schools are
1: kindergarten through sixth grade. No. Uh, Yes. No. So I ended up going from my elementary school of fifth grade to then a middle school at sixth grade. And then I went to a middle school back again in seventh grade. But like
0: I should have been in elementary school for sixth grade. I understand that they like move it around. But the one that I went to. It's uh, elementary is up to fifth grade. And then middle school, sixth mm-hmm. through eighth. That's right. Yeah. Nine I through didn't,
1: twelve. I've only heard of usually seventh and eighth grade being middle school. That's unusual. Didn't um, they call that junior high? Or junior high. Yeah. <clears throat> it depends on where you're from. And um Weird. The middle school that I went to when I went to the seventh and eighth grade one, it was weird because it was like a middle school where five different towns all conglomerated together. So five different towns with five different elementary schools all had their elementary schools coming together for this middle school. So you had five fucking schools
0: with like anywhere from two to six hundred kids all come together. So all that's of a sudden, how, yeah, that's it how got huge ours was. with three, three elementary schools and then one middle school, one high school.
1: Yeah. And then we had
0: one high school and the high school was pretty decent sized.
1: Right. And then I went to an even bigger high school the next year. But we also live in an area where we have one of the biggest high schools. I think it's in all of the Midwest. The one of the high schools in our area is so big that it's bigger than some colleges in the United States. And it's so big that they have to Physically send some students home for homeschooling because they don't have a big enough campus and they have to have uh, like special days for learning because we have such a big um, school in our area.
0: Interesting. Did not know that.
1: So. Yeah. Talking about schools is like weird when we talk about schools in our area. If like people know where we're from, because some people are like, oh, but you have some really big schools. And we're like, yes, but we also live in an area where we have really, really tiny schools. Yeah. We also have like Amish areas and stuff like that. So we Very, have really weird, tiny
0: areas. Weird, We're weird, weird area. We're just weird.
1: Yep. Well, in this school, there was 500 students and 91 employees on the payroll. And the events of that day took place all in all in about five minutes. Insane. The attack appears to have been purposely thought out and planned. They said Adam did not seem like he just snapped. They said he visited the school's website on numerous occasions and even looked at the student handbook and had viewed security procedures at the school before the event. The school had a security system that was installed years before. Around 2005, they installed one where the doors to the outside were locked automatically when the school day would begin. And a year before, in 2012, another step towards security was taken by the school principal, Dawn Lafferty Hotchsprung. She ordered a system that was installed that required visitors to have to be visibly identifiable and buzzed in through the doors. On the morning of December 14th, 2012, the school automatically locked its doors at 930 a.m. like they normally do. And that was the day when someone arrived. That was Adam Lanza. However, the doors were locked. Authorities later found out that essentially Adam had used the AR to literally just shoot his way through the entrance of the building.
0: Yeah, because something that doesn't stop locks is a A gun. Yes,
1: (laughs) an assault rifle
0: nonetheless. (laughs)
1: Right, a big gun. Adam used the gun along with 10 magazines full of 30 rounds each, where he began shooting his way through a glass panel next to the locked door at the front of the school. Around 9.30 a.m., the announcements were being read over the loudspeaker to the students and shots were heard across the school. Students described being ushered into bathrooms or closets by teachers after hearing the first shots. Principal Don Hotsprung had heard some of the loud noises and was in a meeting with, some, with the school psychologist, Mary Sherlock, as well as the vice principal, Natalie Hammond. There were some other faculty members and one of the students' parents were in there. Principal Hotsprung didn't instantly recognize the noise because she couldn't quite hear it correctly. She just heard it was like a loud ruckus. So she, along with Natalie and Mary, had went to investigate the noises. Instantly, when they get in the hallway, they were met with chaos. And they said that one of the faculty members from the meeting had shouted that they thought it was an active shooter and that that person shouting that was ultimately what ended up saving one person's life, as well as what helped like the other people not run out after them, like realize what was going on and realize what protocol would be. Yes. Yes. Because in the end, only the vice principal Natalie Hammond would return from the hallway alive. She was wounded, but she's the only one that comes back. Principal Hotchspring, um, Hotchspring, and um, the other person that went out there, Mary Sherlock, the psychologist, do not make it back into the room. The teachers from this area of the school all later report that they heard the gunshots, and they said that they heard the school janitor named Rick Thorne yelling at Adam Lanza to put down his guns. Adam ended up shooting shooting Natalie Hammond first in the leg. He hit her a second time then, and the second shot made her lay still in the hallway until she could no longer hear Adam. After that, she ended up crawling back into the conference room where she pressed her body against the door to keep it closed until she was later taken and treated at the Danbury Hospital. Another report was from a student who was nine years old, who later told someone he said he heard the shooter saying, put your hands up. And someone said, don't shoot. He heard people yelling and multiple gunshots over the intercom while he and his classmates and the teacher all took refuge in a closet in the gymnasium. There was a substitute kindergarten teacher named Deborah Pisani, who was closing her classroom door, and she ended up getting hit in the foot with a ricocheted bullet from the hallway and it wounded her. But Adam didn't end up entering her classroom, but she still got hurt. Adam was walking in the hall, shooting around aimlessly everywhere he could, and people could just hear the gunshots, and they were attempting to hide and conceal the children in the classrooms. Now, there is something to be noted about Sandy Hook Elementary School, and it's that the way the doors work, because it is an elementary school, and there is kind of like a rule in some states about how doors have to work in some areas. Elementary school doors are not allowed to. Back then, lock from the inside because you don't want your students getting locked in while you are a teacher, like going outside of the classroom. So the doors lock from the outside, so these teachers could do nothing to protect these students because they were inside the room in an open they had room. Had physically leave, would lock the door yes. and leave, <laughs> and they would have been in the hallway with Adam, and then Adam <clears throat> could have just shot them, taken the key, unlocked the room, gone into the room. Gotcha. So. They couldn't lock these doors. They couldn't do anything. And they couldn't have barricaded the doors because the way the doors swing open, like there's literally not much to do other than hide at this point. Also. All the doors have a window so that you can see what the students are doing inside because they are children. Mm -hmm. So that is another thing. Adam is seeing the people hiding and doing things. So he knows I'm going to go in that room because I'm going to kill those people. Keep that in mind. The next thing Adam does is he enters the main offices of Sandy Hook. I'm also going to post on the Instagram a photo like looking down at the school of the map and the route that Adam takes so that you can kind of see just how he moves about in the school because it'll get a little fuzzy as I describe it, but it'll make sense if you look at it through a map. He enters the main offices of Sandy Hook, but at this point, all of the people that were working were hiding under the desks. And they think that Adam may not have noticed them due to this. The school nurse, Sally Cox, who was 60, was hiding. And she said she remembered seeing the door open. Adam then walked in and he stood only about 20 feet away from where she was hiding before he waited a few seconds and then ended up just turning around and leaving. She, as well as the school secretary, Barbara Halstead, had called 911 and they hid in the first aid supply closet for over three hours, then waiting because they had no idea if he was still in the building or not. Meanwhile, as all this was happening, the janitor that I mentioned earlier, Rick Thorne, was now running down the hallways trying to alert classrooms that there still was an active shooter in the building so that hopefully they could get anyone hidden. It wasn't fast enough, though, and there weren't enough precautions to stop Adam due to the type of guns he had and him being on a mission. Adam moved towards two classrooms one of kindergartners and one of first graders. I mentioned how the doors were unable to be locked. So none of the teachers were able to do anything at this point. I also mentioned how each of the doors had a window on it. So this is why it gets a little confusing. They think that he started entering rooms that he could see people in. And when I mention the rooms he enter, you'll notice he skips a number. He enters room eight and ten. He doesn't enter room nine. And they think that there is a reason for this, which I will explain later. Adam enters room eight, a first grade classroom where Lauren Russo, a substitute teacher, was filling in for a teacher on maternity leave. Lauren was currently hiding the students in the bathroom to try and conceal them from Adam when he made his way into the classroom. But it wasn't enough to stop him. Adam ended up shooting and killing both adults that were in this classroom, which was Lauren, as well as Rachel Davino, who was a behavioral therapist who had been employed to help work with one of the special needs students that was in this class. The students in this classroom were all were shot and killed. Not all of them. There were 15 children in the classroom within classroom eight. 14 of them were shot down by Adam and killed instantly. One child was rushed to the hospital for treatment but of their severe wounds, but they ended up succumbing to the wounds and passing away in the hospital. There was a single survivor of this classroom. A six year old female student who was later found by the police was hiding in the bathroom Under some of the other students, she later said she was just playing dead and that's what kept her alive. And she described Adam as a very angry man. The next classroom Adam enters is room 10, which is a first grade classroom run by Victoria Soto, 27 years old. Victoria tried hiding the students in one of the rooms. It was like a closet or bathroom type area. And then she tried hiding some others under the desks. At times, but Adam made his way into the room. Adam shot the students under the desks first, and then Victoria tried to put herself between her students and the shooter, and he fatally shot her. There was Anne-Marie Murphy, who was 52 years old, also in the room. She was a special education teacher also, who worked with the special needs students in the classroom. Her body was found covering Dylan Hockley, the six-year-old student who she had worked with. In room 10, the two adults and five children were shot while the other students managed to escape or hide. According to the official report released by the state's attorney, nine children ran from this classroom and police found two hiding in the class bathroom. Caitlin Roig, another first grade teacher who was 29 years old, was hiding with her 15 students in a bathroom with a barricaded door, telling them to be silent. She's the one where I said that her classroom was looked over because there was one room that he didn't go into. The reason why they do believe is hypothetical, but here's why. They think that Adam ignored her class because I said that he had been going classroom to classroom because he could see in the windows. Well, earlier that year, there was a lockdown drill and the teachers were told to put construction paper over their windows because they had enough time. And she actually forgot to take her construction paper down. And so Adam didn't see anything in her classroom. And so he skipped over her classroom, they think, because they thought it was empty.
0: Well, all of this could have been avoided with just no windows potentially potentially, or having oh, not locked
1: doors, I still think he would have shot through or something. but I mean there's yeah, okay, school librarians Yvonne Chek and Marianne Jacob tried to hide eighteen children in the part of the library of the school that was used for lockdowns in the practice drills when they discovered that one of the doors wouldn't lock. They had the children crawl into a storage room. And then they barricaded the door with a filing cabinet. The music teacher, Mary Rose Christop, barricaded her students in a tiny supply closet during the rampage. The first responders started to arrive, and the authorities said that the first emergency call about the shooting came in at approximately 9.35 from the main office. Keep in mind, the first shots were heard at 9.30. Like, this was pretty much instantaneously. Five minutes is... So long. (laughs) Well, yes, it's so long, but it's also so (laughs) short. Yeah, this is. Yeah. Um, They said at Sandy Hook School, a caller is indicating she thinks someone is shooting in the building is what they were told. A dispatcher told medical and fire personnel, according to 911 tapes, that exact sentence. At 936 a.m., about 30 seconds after the original initial call was received, the Connecticut State Police was notified and dispatched at 9.37 a.m. This is the only funny moment I can give you. Do you want to hear something funny? Yeah. What is our podcast called? Cryptic Soup Pot. What do we call ourselves for short? CSP. I read so many pages about the CSP being involved in this, (laughs) and I was so confused for so long. And then I realized CSP stands for Connecticut State Police. Adam wouldn't have liked if we were involved. <laughs> no, <laughs> we would not have been friendly. No, but I was like, "What is the CSP?" And it took me so long to understand that the CSP is probably racked your brain. The Connecticut State Police. <laughs> yeah, like, that makes sense. Of all things, yeah, that makes sense. The. The CSP. Right. But then it was really a struggle to try to type CSP any other time because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to accidentally say cryptic soup I feel like. So I only do it like once or twice in the entire outline because I was nervous. I would accidentally like mess it up. That's fair. I thought you would find that a little <laughs> chucklesome. little bit. Yeah. That's the only one you get today. So gotta got to break up. Yeah. All the hard moments here. Comedic relief. Oh, goodness. There's no more. There's no more. OK. That's, OK at 9:35 a.m. Pat Loyola Lolaedra Yoidra Lodra It's two Ls L-L-O-D-R-A. The, it's the fir- it's <clears throat> the Republican First Selectman of Newton. Uh it's the equivalent of the town mayor according to CNN. So she was in her office when she was notified through the emergency dispatch. She said it was a significant event that was happening at Sandy Hook School. Dr. William Bragg, uh, sorry, Begg, was in the emergency room of Danbury Hospital on December 14th, and he was told to expect multiple shooting victims from Sandy Hook that day. Could you imagine? Could well, you Well, and then they tell him Sandy Hook Elementary. And so, right. nonetheless, you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be expecting multiple children nonetheless. Right. Well, the worst part is, is that didn't even happen because the only few people that arrive are minor wounds, or the few that do arrive die almost instantaneously because most of the victims actually were killed at such a close range. So he actually doesn't receive that many people, which is almost like
0: it. I mean, it is worse. It's, it's a blessing just, and a curse. It's yeah, a, it's a blessing for him because he didn't have to relive, <sighs> to do that. Yeah, yeah, the the rampage of what was going on. But at the same time, he didn't happened, even get a chance to sucks. save these people. Yeah. Right. The Connecticut State Police and local
1: authorities were joined by local police forces and the police tactical units and a state chopper in the sky, as well as a bomb squad, because they didn't know what he might all have on him. Authorities heard a final shot inside the school at 940 a.m., and then they didn't hear anything else, and they realized that's when they thought that Adam may have turned the gun on himself. They were right. Adam shot himself in the lower rear portion of his head with the Glock 20SF in the classroom 10. Authorities noticed there were three cars in the parking lot that had also been hit by five stray bullets that had went out of the classroom. Ten windows. Police locked down the school and began evacuating. So that was another thing. They were nervous that like even people trying to flee the scene were going to get hurt is why I mentioned that because they were like outside. Yeah. And they were like coming through the windows at this point. Right. Police locked down the school and began evacuating survivors room by room, escorting groups of students and adults away from the school. They swept the school for another shooter at least four times because they weren't sure if Adam was working alone or not. Authorities found Adam on the classroom floor wearing the same green army vest over the black polo shirt, black shoes, black fingerless gloves, the black hat and the sunglasses. Near Adam's body, the authorities found another one of the guns. And this gun was jammed along with the rifle on the floor that was nearby. Wait, so both were jammed or no, sorry. The one gun on the floor was jammed and then they found the rifle. Gotcha. 20 students and six adults were killed that day. The police secured the building and ensured that no other shooters were on site before escorting the students and faculty out of the building where they took them to a nearby firehouse. The reports of the shooting made their way around town as frantic parents descended on the firehouse where the children were now being taken and people were trying to find just what was happening. Authorities started trying to find all of the victims in the school to notice the patterns that Adam made that day. They noticed that all the victims were shot multiple times They noticed that he was going one by one through the rooms, inflicting the mass amount of damage that he could. He noticed that the students, uh, the victims were eight boys and 12 girls. They were all six to seven years old. They noticed that there was six adults and it was all the women that worked at the school. And then the Connecticut State Police started taking the bodies from the building. They created a makeshift morgue in the parking lot to start identifying the bodies right away so that they could get answers to parents as soon as possible, because it was a madhouse. And they started then taking the bodies to the medical examiner's office, where they would have autopsies being performed on December 15th. Adam's body wasn't removed from the school, though, until the 15th as well. And that's how people even learned that Adam was six foot and 112 pounds and so malnutritioned. By nightfall of the day of the shooting, the firehouse became a gathering point for people to mourn their losses, as well as investigators were still looking into everything. They realized they did not find a suicide note or any messages referring to what the plan was for the attack or why the whole like reasoning behind this was for Adam. So the town turned into a giant memorial at this point. People started sending things to the town because it was children, obviously, candles, teddy bears, things like that, the town had more than 64,000 teddy bears sent to the town in the days and weeks following the shooting spree to, like, put at memorials. Well, on March 28th, 2013, car- court documents released from the investigations showed that the shootings had occurred in the space of fewer than five minutes with 156 shots fired. The final report of the state attorney summarizing the investigation into the shooting was published on November 25th, 2013. It concluded that Adam Lanza had acted alone and that the case was now closed. The report noted that he had a familiarity with it and access to the firearms and ammunition, as well as an obsession with mass murders, in particular, the April 1999
0: shootings at Columbine High School in Colorado. Wait, I have a question. What? <clears throat> you said November 25th, 2013. That would be before this. Right? I'm going... Right. This is December. This happened December 2012. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> thought it was 2013. I was really confused for a second. I was like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> Where am I wrong? No, I see what you said. Whoopsie. Okay. okay. Okay.
1: Moving on. Yeah. Sorry, we're a year later at this Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. The report didn't identify a really specific motive for the shooting other than that, saying the evidence clearly shows that the shooter planned his actions, including the taking of his own life, but there was no clear indication of why he did so and why he targeted Sandy Hook Elementary School in the end. On December 4th, 2013, there were seven 911 calls relating to the shooting that were made public, and that's when most people started hearing firsthand what it was like that day in the school. On December 27th, 2013, police released thousands of pages of documents pertaining to the investigations. And it had been over a year since the incident at this point. It was in accordance to the law. The names of the victims and witnesses were originally redacted and withheld since it was mostly children. But the summary report included information about items found on Adam's personal computer that included writings and material about previous mass shootings. And as well as we start finding everything out at that point. I want to talk about the victims and how things have changed. So first, I'm going to talk about the reformations and things that have occurred, and then we'll talk about the victims. Within an hour of the shootings, a We the People petition had started asking the White House to immediately address the issue of gun control. Five days later, President Obama announced that he would make a gun control uh, as a central issue for his second term. He created a gun violence task force, even. That would be headed by Vice President Joe Biden. That's so weird to think about. Right? I forgot Joe Biden was our vice president. Right. Because he's our president now. Insane. Weird. Okay. Yeah. On January 16th, 2013, Obama signed 23 executive orders and proposed 12 congressional actions regarding the safety and gun control. His proposals included universal background checks on firearm purchases an assault weapons ban, and a high-capacity magazine ban limiting capacity to 10 cartridges. On April 3rd, 2013, the Connecticut General Assembly passed a 139-page gun control bill. The bill requires universal background checks for firearm purchases, as well as banning the sale or purchase of ammunition magazines capable of holding 10 rounds of ammunition. The bill created the first registry for the U.S. for dangerous weapon offenders, and added over 100 types of guns to the state's assault weapon ban. These don't even seem... I know people get real serious about gun control and uh-huh. gun laws and stuff. <clears throat> these don't seem that crazy of laws. These seem pretty normal laws.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, like, these seem normal to me. Okay. Well, <clears throat> a lot of people have different, different... I know, different strokes, different, different opinions, but like... Well, I mean, there's like the whole like, it's not the gun. It's the person. I have a family member that is one
1: of these people mm-hmm. and they own ARs for fun. And they are these type of people where they're like, I can't believe that the government wants to censor the these type of things. And they even make jokes about things like this. They'll be like, I'm not the person that's doing it and shooting up schools. So why do you have to censor me? Because some idiot did that down the street. And I'm like. You can't say things like that. (laughs) Right. That's just as bad. Like, stop. So,
0: I mean, I get it. I know. I get it. We just can't, like, actually. But it's just silly. We can't actually know. Uh, That's the problem. Well, we do if we have a purge. That's (laughs) That's the solution here. Come (laughs) on, guys. And that's why we have cuts, because (laughs) eventually something's going to (laughs) happen. I have, um, I have mace. You better come to my house if anything happens. (laughs) Uh, I'm
1: not to be trusted with guns, says the government. They're smart. (laughs) Like most school shootings, a big hot topic was the topic of video games. I feel like that's brought up in any and all conversations when it's a conversation about school shootings. They say, oh, those people liked violent video games. It's always Grand Theft Auto. It's. It's that, or it's um, um, oh my goodness! Now I can't think of what that game's called. Well, I can't think of what called duty. Maybe, maybe that's what it, I don't know. But I know they bring up like Left for Dead and um, Diablo with the Columbine cases and stuff like that. Diablo was a, I think, a really big one with Columbine. Really? Yeah, that's. It's just weird, weird. how they always there's no oh, guns. In Diablo. I've played violent video games my whole life. I have a violent video game tattooed very I'm pointing to it. What is this <laughs> called? My ditch? My elbow? Oh, I have a very yeah. aggressive themed video game with blood on it even on my elbow tattooed on me. And you know what? I have never once attempted to murder another human. So. And I love gory video games love it favorite video games are like mortal Kombat, where i get to snap humans heads off Of course, and is. you know what never <laughs> wanted to try it in real life no so Mm-mm. nope i don't think this argument is valid but let's talk about it yeah i don't think it is either well this time this case uh was brought up because wayne lapierre who is the ceo of the national rifle association the nra He publicly went on record to blame video games for the for the shooting. I mean, that's just a PR stunt at that point. Yep.
0: Blame anything other than the
1: gun. Yes. Right. He said that the police had found numerous games in Adam's basement room that included things that were an assortment of titles featuring shooting and violent themes. And remember in part one, what video game he had Mm -hmm. that school shooter game, where also in the end, if you kill yourself, you get bonus points.
0: Ugh. However, whoever created that, you go. That's the go, person we should be looking into. Is go fuck off somewhere.
1: Yeah, seriously. But here's another thing. Um, his favorite ever video game was DDR. You guys, right? That's he also really liked Mario games. Definitely not Mario. Yeah, I watched that movie again the other night. Not that violent, guys. It's about <laughs> a fucking turtle. <laughs> you
0: mean not a salamander? Yeah, not a backpack. salamander with a backpack. <laughs> I mean, that's a kind of what
1: turtle is. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of other games, though, that weren't violent that were in his game room. So. That definitely wasn't part of it. It's a stretch. The community of Sandy Hook was greatly affected after this whole tragedy. The school was closed after the shooting because it was seen as a crime scene, obviously. But also it was just traumatizing for everyone to even be around it. The Sandy Hook students tried to return to classes, but they returned to classes on January 3rd, 2013, where they ended up going
0: to the Chalk Hill Middle School in a different nearby town. It was hard on a lot of them. That's crazy to think that that many students went to a completely different school, including the already students that are in that that school. school. Yeah, like that's a lot of coordination for sure. The
1: University of Connecticut had created a scholarship for the surviving children of the shootings as well. On May 10th, 2013, some of the town appointed members had voted, voted that they wanted to demolish the existing Sandy Hook Elementary School and have a completely new school built in its place because this place was not it anymore. So the demolishing began, and this was going to be a multi million dollar project. It wasn't just like a, okay, we're going to demolish school and build again. Right. This is Multiple kind of a big deal, million dollars, and it was going to take time. And this is a school for children. This is a lot of rules, laws, regulations. Keep mm-hmm. in mind the it, it passed, though, they decided to do it. The demolition began on October 25th and was completed by that December of 2013. So this is only a year after all this still. In March 2014, the Newton city officials announced the design for the new Sandy Hook Elementary School. And the only remnant of the original school is the old flagpole out front. That's pretty symbolic. And um, there's a memorial in the back, like by the woods. And it's this big, like circular memorial thing that you can like see. You can look it up. Hmm. In 2014 as well, the town of Newton was given the property and home of the Lanza family. The home ended up being demolished in March of 2015 after the Newton Legislative Council voted unanimously to demolish the house where Nancy and Adam Lanza lived. And they decided to keep the land as open space. I've read a few things about that open space and the house, because remember, Adam had a brother. Mm -hmm. So when Adam and Nancy were both gone, the house fell to the brother And I read in some places that he essentially just like didn't want to deal with it. So he gave it to the town. But then I read in other places like the backlash from the town. He like had to sell it off. I don't really know what happened. But in the end, the town still acquires it and he doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't live near there. Yeah. He lives in like Philadelphia or somewhere. Like I can't remember where he lives, but he's he's kind of further away. But he didn't want to have the Lanza family home anymore. So they gave it to the city of Newton and Newton's like, okay, we're going to get rid of it. And now it's open space. On December 15th, and it's near a hunting area, so that probably makes sense that it's probably just a hunting grounds now. On December 15th, 2014, the nine fam, some of the nine families of the 26 victims of the shooting had filed a class action lawsuit in Connecticut against the Bushmaster, which is one of the guns that was used. The lawsuit moved back and forth over several states. It also got flipped back and forth between state and federal lawsuits. It's wild trying to watch the trajectory of this lawsuit. Just literal insanity at this point. But finally, by February 15th, 2022. So it started in 2014 and by 2022, the Remington Bushmaster agreed to settle the suit and end it because they were tired of dealing with it for 73 million dollars. But the family said that wasn't enough. They wanted actual justice. They weren't in it for the money. Well, absolutely. On April 17th, 2018, a radio host and conspiracy theorist named Alex Jones was sued because he was defaming some of the parents and the family. So he said, he said Sandy Hook was completely fake and a giant hoax. What? Yeah. He said it was perpetrated by the opponents of the Second Amendment. He essentially said, that Sandy Hook was completely fake and that people that like wanted tougher gun laws faked this whole thing so that Obama had a reason to give us bigger gun laws and that no kids actually died that day. It was all a publicity stunt. The kids either a never existed or B they're actually alive in their own witness protection or like C um it was staged. Like they, he has all these wow. reasonings. Okay. <laughs> Essentially <laughs> though, he said it was hoax and um, three of the parents ended up suing him. And yeah, I would assume that all, all I mean, all of the parents should have sued him. Yeah, immediately. And that was in 2018. And they sued him for one point five billion dollars. And then in the end, they said, we're willing to settle for eighty five million. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Alex so, Jones. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, here's the thing. Alex is not alone in that. That's a very common thing. Wow. Um. Actually, I don't remember what number it is, but like the Sandy Hook school shooting is in the top, like 15 biggest hoaxes in the world or something like that. Like. It's it's a big one. Interesting. Um, how, I, though? OK, I didn't. No, we're not going to go there. I didn't put it in here and I kind of wish I would have since you just asked that. But there is a story of one of the kids's parents where like he went on a vacation one time and it's one of the kids who's one of the parents whose kids passed away, whose mm-hmm. kid was shot. And he went to go, like, rent a hotel, okay? And he rents his hotel and he walks up to the front desk and he's like, oh, hey, I'm here, you know, for whatever, like a real estate. What is what is it called when you, like, all meet up? Open house? No, no like... Like a like a conference conference. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm here for like the real estate conference or something. And she's like, oh, OK, like I just need to see your I.D. so that I can make you your little pass or whatever. And he hands it to her and she's like, oh, you're the person that's here from uh, Newton, Connecticut. um Oh, and he's like, yeah, I'm the Sandy Hook agent. And she goes, oh, <laughs> yeah, Sandy Hook, like where that school shooting took place. And she's like, you know, that was fake, though, right? Isn't that crazy? And she starts going on and telling him about how Sandy Hook school shooting was fake. And he's just like, "Okay, oh,
0: God, could you imagine? I couldn't imagine. I would have ripped her apart. I couldn't imagine. I would have ripped her apart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which actually, that was the very next paragraph. I jumped ahead. I did the thing that Kylie normally does. (laughs) So this was not the only time the whole Sandy Hook is a hoax. Conspiracy has been a topic after the conspiracy. After the conspiracy. After the shooting, there was a conspiracy theory. Popping up, like I said, the children don't exist. The government set up the shooting, all these things, right? Only two days after the shooting, some of the families even started receiving prank phone calls nonstop where people were pretending to be Adam Lanza, threatening to kill them or like pretending to be the kids and stuff. Wow. Do you call them prank phone calls or crank phone calls? Prank? Me too. I hate the saying
0: crank phone calls. That's not a thing. Oh, yeah, it is. Crank. Yeah, crank calls. No, that's a, what is that thing? Mandela effect? No, no, it's not. I'm serious. Crank call. No, I'm serious. No,
1: (laughs) I promise you. Whoever
0: started it is wrong. So I would
1: say I'm okay with saying prank phone calls because PP sounds good. But if I just said prank calls, I would say crank calls. because CC sounds better. I think I will say that. No, yeah, no. But crank calls. That's a thing too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but prank calls is my favorite yes okay but crank calls also no works. okay <laughs> it's real though okay moving on interesting another time a professor at florida atlantic university named james tracy posted online that he doubted the authenticity and by um sorry i got a hiccup in my throat And by January, there was 30 minutes of a YouTube video that he had posted that had 10 million views. And it was called The Sandy Hook Shooting Fully Exposed. There was even a line in the video. He said, wouldn't frantic kids be a difficult target to hit? Suggesting that if this event was a real event, Adam Lanza wouldn't have killed that many kids because they would have been running around. Leave it. Leave it to someone in Florida to say that. Mm hmm. A person with two first names, nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) Then a man from Virginia had came from came to Sandy Hook and he stole signs from a playground that were memorializing some of the victims. After that, there was a man that called the families of the victims saying that they shouldn't be upset by um, that burglary of the guy from Virginia stealing things because it's not like their kids ever really existed in the first
0: place anyway. So what's he stealing really? It says that that man called the family. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was that man. I'm sorry. Which is even worse. Yeah. Just all of this is just so stupid, confusing. Why, of all things, would you think that this is fake? This is so silly. Uh, Yeah. I don't. Which I feel like,
1: and I mean, maybe I should be saving this for the end when we talk about our feelings, but like, I don't feel like there was this much a hoax conspiracy surrounding any other school shooting. I don't know. I just don't feel like there were this much. Anyways, the central theme behind why they thought this was a hoax was because they said they were trying to find any excuse for Obama's administration to fight against the gun administrations and the society to create harsher laws for the like NRA and laws for anyone that has guns, by creating and staging the massacre to scare the masses into fearing the worst, thinking they need to create a solution and having a solution against gun laws. So they say the families are paid actors and the kids never existed. And they're in a witness protection program or something, because that's the only logical solution because that's the only way Obama would have agreed.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of hate towards Obama in general too. True. So but I mean, that probably just... had some sort of effect as well. It's just silly. It is. It's just so silly. Okay. I'm going to talk about the victims now. Okay.
1: I am going to talk about each person and then give a little background to each person, each victim. I'm going to go in alphabetical order because it's easiest. And I'm going to do the children first. And then I'm going to do the adults.
0: Okay. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to take over if you need me to. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, I've read through this multiple times in hopes of
1: preparing myself so that I get my shit together. Okay, Allison Wyatt, six years old. She wanted to be an artist. She filled her family home with her artwork. Her parents wrote that they found a picture Allie had drawn for her first grade teacher Miss Soto, and it read, "I love you, love Allie." Allie's spirit embodied the essence of kindness and compassion. Her family remembered once during a cross-country flight, she was compassionate enough to offer her stranger her goldfish snacks even. She had a natural gift for humor, effortlessly bringing smiles to the face of her parents and her loved ones. Anna Marquez Green, she was six years old. She had just moved with her family to Sandy Hook a few months before the shooting. Her nine-year-old brother was also at the school during that day of the incident, but he had actually escaped. Anna was a musician through and through, and she loved to dance as well. Her obituary said she never walked anywhere. Her love, uh, her mode of transportation was dance. She danced from room to room and place to place. She danced to all the music she heard, whether it was in the air or in her head. Her father was also a musician, and it was something they shared and bonded over. And he even created a tribute album
0: about his daughter afterwards. That's so sad that they just moved here. Like, ugh. Like, please don't make me focus on any of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll shut up. I know it's really sad. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it makes me so angry. Okay. Yes, I um, know. Yep. Yeah, moving on. Av- Avil Richmond. She was six. She was
1: rarely without a giant grin and often barefoot. She loved horses, the color red, Harry Potter, and she wanted to try archery after watching the movie Brave. She mentioned she wanted to grow up to be an artist, a spy, a fairy, a princess, and a writer, all when she grew up. Her family founded the Aviel Foundation to fund neuroscience research exploring the underpinnings of the brain that lead to violent behaviors and compassion. Next up is Benjamin Wheeler. Ben was six years old and he was announced alive during the shooting and he died shortly after at the hospital. He was a devoted fan of his older brother, Nate, and the two of them together filled the house with the noise of four children, his family said. He loved soccer, smiling, laughing, swimming, and he was a Tiger Scout. Earlier that month, Ben had performed at his piano recital, and both Ben and his family said sitting still long enough to play one song was an accomplishment itself. Ben's Lighthouse is a community organization in Newton created by Ben's parents to support the survivors and long-term after the tragedy of Sandy Hook. Carolyn Praviti. She was six years old. Her favorite color was pink so much that her family and friends actually all were pink to her funeral. Carolyn brought her parents her piggy bank for Christmas one year and asked to donate it so that every kid could have a present under their Christmas tree that year. Carolyn loved to draw and dance. Her smile brought happiness to everyone she touched. Her family started a foundation in her name to give kids scholarships to support their passions. Catherine Hubbard was six years old who loved animals and would often talk to them. She would whisper to animals to tell your friend that I'm kind. Her mother started an animal foundation in her name and the Connecticut state legislator awarded her 34 acres of land
0: for a sanctuary for animals. Oh, my God! <laughs> I got chills from that one. Yeah, I. You good? Yeah, I think. Okay. Oh my god, I'm trying so hard. <clears throat> they're just so sad. I know. They're little kids, and it's <clears throat> just so sad because
1: they they didn't even get to try to have a life. I know. They're so babies,
0: and when you see their faces, they're so small, and it's just not fair. It's not fair. That's what makes me so angry. Okay, I can do this. Oh, my God, this is so hard. Okay,
1: I'm so sorry. Chase Kowalski, he was seven. Can you hear it in my Uh nose and everything? Uh (laughs) I'm trying so hard. He was an award-winning athlete who had entered a triathlon for his age group earlier that year, and he had won. Triathlon. That's insane for <laughs> a seven-year-old. He loved running and baseball. He enjoyed practicing with his father and his teammates. He would often be found outside. He was also a Cub Scout. A teenage neighbor remembers asking Chase what he wanted for Christmas that year, and he said he wanted his front teeth back.
0: In <laughs> his picture, that's, his I mean, that teeth are missing. <laughs> that's fair.
1: <laughs> um. Um. Charlotte Bacon, six years old, she practiced taekwondo. She was an avid animal lover. Her family says her self-expression revolved around the color pink. She was full of energy with what her grandma called a mass of beautiful red curls. Her parents established a foundation in her honor that supports a program for therapy dogs and gives scholarships for students who are studying to become veterinarians, as well as a grant to help couples grieving with the death of a child. Charlotte's parents hired an illustrator to write a book called Good Dogs, Great Listeners, and it's the story about Charlotte and her dog, Lily. Oh.
0: God, it's the one about it's animals. the animals. <laughs>
1: hey, even harder. <clears throat> because I'm just like, she just wanted to go home to her puppy that day and she couldn't. Oh my God. <clears throat> Corey's editing this today and he's going to be like,
0: i thinking you're such a baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wait, just we, because I'm not crying doesn't mean I don't feel it. Okay, uh, I'm just not a crier. Uh, I'm trying not to be.
1: You're gonna make it, Daniel Barden, seven years old. We are not even. We're in the D's. Do you want me to do no, it? Okay. I <laughs> got this. We're only in D. Oh my god, <clears throat> I got this. <clears throat> Daniel Barden, seven. He was an old soul. His family founded a foundation in his name to encourage others to do little acts of kindness because he was always said to make sure everyone around him was happy and safe. He always used to want to sit next to the girl in class he knew with special needs because he wanted to help her out. His family loved the beach and he learned to surf and he loved to do it. His mother says he embodied everything that is wholesome and innocent in this world. His father, Mark Barden, helped to create the nonprofit organization called the Sandy Hook Promise. Dylan Hockley. Dylan was six years old. Dylan's family had only moved to Connecticut from England two years previously. Dylan had a big brother named Jake, who was his biggest life role model, and he called him his best friend. Dylan loved eating chocolate, playing tag, and being around his friends. He was diagnosed with autism and did not like loud noises and fear and change.
0: <laughs> He's. I can't finish this one. You can't do it? No. <laughs> Do you need a second? I'm just thinking about how scared he was hearing the gunshots. I just imagine he was probably so scared since he couldn't handle loud noises. Mm -hmm. And
1: and it was probably really hard for him that day. He's the one where they found the woman hugging him when he Mm -hmm. was found.
0: Oh, my God. This is so hard. This is the worst episode ever. I hate the person that requested this. <laughs> I mean, we don't hate you. I, uh, I made a joke to them that I hate them this week, and they said, I know you do. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. I'm good. I got this. You want me to continue? I got this. Okay. I'm a big, strong man. <laughs> okay. I'm a bodybuilder. Show me your warp phase. it's not very brave (laughs) okay
1: oh my god I wore mascara to try to talk myself out of crying how's that working for you? my fingers are black (laughs) (sighs) okay I got this oh my god oh my god I knew Dylan did you hear me take the big pause before Dylan Mm -hmm. too because I knew I was going to struggle with this one okay Dylan struggled at making new friends because of his social skills, but he always tried his best and he was really proud despite his autism because he had recently learned that he was struggling with reading, but he recently just learned how. Emily Parker, six years old. She was the oldest of three sisters. Before she died, she was teaching her younger sister how to read. Emily's father had told the journal about that and they said she loved working on arts and crafts and said those stores were her favorite ones to go to. She was said to have an infectious laugh and smile that would light up a room. Emily was quick to strike up a conversation with anyone, anywhere. She could always be found with her markers, colored pens, and paper because, as she put it, I have so many ideas of
0: things to draw and it's hard to remember them all. Me with spreadsheets. I was going (laughs) to... (laughs) <laughs> that's literally I have so many things to remember, remember. literally what I was
1: gonna say <laughs> hey. grace McDonald, seven years old her family called her the love and light of our family and that they said grace never had an ounce of hate in her grace loved painting and she was described as a beautiful and artistic soul she wanted to be a painter when she grew up and so her family created the grace Mac- McDonald. Donald, Memorial Fund to support young artists and youth art programs. Jack Pinto, six years old. Jack was a sporty kid who loved flag football, baseball, basketball, wrestling, and snow skiing. Jack was incredibly loving and vivacious as a young boy. He appreciated every he was appreciated by everyone that knew him because of his lively and giving spirit, as well as his steely determination. His idol was Victor Cruz who was the receiver of the New York Giants at the time. So after the shooting hit the media and the public learned about how much he loved Victor Cruz, Jack, um, uh, Victor found out about how much Jack loved him. And so during a game, not long after the tragedy, Victor wrote Jack Pinto, my hero on his cleat. And then on his other cleat, he wrote RIP Jack Pinto. On his gloves, he wrote Jack Pinto. This one's for you.
0: Oh, my God. This is so hard. <sighs>
1: um, <clears throat> Jack's family used his memorial to support kids in the game. It's a program that funds athletic programs for kids in schools that can't afford them otherwise. Jesus Christ, this is the hardest episode we've ever done. <laughs> I don't understand how you just can't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here fighting for my life and you're just like steely Dan over there. Yeah, I don't. Oh, my God. You're so brave. We're at the J's. We're getting there. <laughs> James Matoli, six years old, known affectionately as just Jay. He had a passion for sports and outdoors, as well as a love for math. He earned the descriptor, the numbers guy. Jay adored his older sisters and saw them as his role models. He would often be found playing with his dad, wrestling or jumping off things. What a stereotypical little six-year-old boy. Right. (laughs) His family said he was always precocious and he had boundless energy. His family organized a Memorial 5K to raise money for scholarships and other programs in his honor. Jesse Lewis, six years old, was just a happy boy is how his family described him. They said that he was supposed to come home that day and make, and make gingerbread houses with his family after school. Jesse tried to save the lives of his friends by encouraging them to get to safety that day. He was happy, kind, loved riding horses and spending time with his friends and family. The Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement was created in his memory to support social and emotional learning programs for teachers and students. Jessica Ricos, six years old, she had told her mom, Krista Ricos, the morning that day before she got on the bus how excited she was that year to sell Girl Scout cookies in January. Jessica was the biggest horse girl you would ever meet, and her, pro- her parents promised her that when she was 10 that she would finally be able to get her own horse. Jessica also really loved orca whales. Oh. She spent hours watching the Free Willy movies and took notes all the time on orcas. She told her mom, Mom, I want to be friends with an orca. To honor Jessica's love for horses, her family created the Jessica Ricos Foundation that supports horseback riding scholarships. But then they also research internships on orca and whale conservations. Oh, I love that. She was literally you and me combined in one person. Literally.
0: (laughs) I mean, I was a horse person too, though. So, (laughs) So you know, screwed all over. (laughs) (laughs) Josephine Gay. just being gay was seven
1: years old. She had celebrated her birthday just three days before she was killed. Her parents set up a fundraiser campaign called Joey's Fund to help other families who have kids with autism because Joey was diagnosed with autism as well as apraxia of speech. Apraxia of speech is a speech and sound disorder where you have trouble saying what you want to say correctly due to overall motor and coordination skills. Due to this, Joey's fellow classmates said they all tried to learn sign language and different ways to communicate with her so she would never feel left out and so that she could feel comfortable communicating with them. She had an older sibling and was always trying to follow in their footsteps. Since the incident, Joey's mother is a founding member of an organization that helps improve school security.
0: She had older siblings, not just one. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Kylie. I just want to get the facts it's right. Really, I want to get the facts right. It's really easy to read right now. <sighs> I offered.
1: Madeline Sue, six years old. Her family said she did everything with enthusiasm and determination. Madeline loved music. She was always in motion and she had a strong personality. Her family remembered her as a petite princess she also enjoyed playing piano and singing along to songs on the radio. The only time she slowed down was when she read books, including the Pink Pinkalicious series. Olivia Ingle, six years old. She was an outgoing girl with a great sense of humor. She also had a brother who was three years old at the time named Brayden. She loves the colors pink and purple, her lamb stuffed animal, playing tennis, swimming and soccer. Olivia was well-rounded. She was a Daisy Scout girl. Daisy Girl Scout, sorry, and a New York Yankee fan. She loved singing and being the center of attention in a good way. She would say grace at dinner for her family, and she was always happy. Noah Posner, six years old. He had a twin sister. The pair had just... Fuck. Because
0: one survived and one did not it. That's so hard. Mm. I couldn't even I could not even imagine having twins. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> Noah had a twin sister. <clears throat> the pair had celebrated their 6th birthday on November 20th a month before. Noah's sister survived the attack, Ariel, and the family was scared to tell her that Noah had passed because they didn't know how she'd take it. Noah was impish and larger than life as a little boy. Everything he did conveyed action and energy through love. He was a soul devoid of spite and meanness. His aunt said he was gorgeous and could get away with whatever he wanted by batting his long lashes and looking at you with his big blue eyes. Noah's dad created the Honor Network in order to support and...
0: What? Did I just make up words? Yes, you did. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I'm really struggling. Uh
1: Noah's dad created the Honor Network in order to combat the conspiracy theories. Theorists who had audacities to claim that these were hoaxes. Let's move on to the adults. Anne Marie Murphy, 52 years old. She was a paraprofessional at the school who worked with a boy with special needs named Dylan Hockley that I mentioned earlier. Her body was found covering a group of the children. She died with Dylan in her arms. She was described as happy, artistic and hardworking. One of the first responders told Anne's father that she was a hero. And he said that was the best description of her that he had ever heard. That's so sad. So many of these people also like everything you hear about the people that died, they were like genuinely just protecting these children in every Mm -hmm. possible way. Mm -hmm. And like, That one hurts so bad because I feel like she was protecting Dylan because Dylan was scared. And every time I hear anything about Dylan, that one really,
0: I'm scared of loud noises. And I can't imagine that for him. It's just really sad. It's really hard. I feel really bad.
1: I'm trying not to cry. (laughs) It's so hard. I don't know why you're not crying.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's so sad. Dawn Hotchsprung. sprung. <laughs>
1: Dawn Hotch sprung. 47 years old. Um, <clears throat> she was the principal of Sandy Hook Elementary School. She was always enthusiastic, always smiling, and always game to do anything. Former PTA Secretary Kristen Larson told the Boston Globe, all of the students loved her and parents all had great things to say about her. Everyone described her as strong, compassionate and happy. Lauren Russo, she was 30 years old. She was a full time substitute teacher working at Sandy Hook Elementary. She had started working there just weeks before the shooting. Lauren had made cupcakes that morning to bring to a party that night. They had reported Mary Sherlock, 56 years old, was the school psychologist. She was one year away from retirement, at which her and her husband were planning to spend time in their cabin along upstate New York's Finger Lake. The Newton Patch had reported she had been working at Sandy Hook Elementary School since 1994, and she loved her job. She also enjoyed gardening, and after her death, her husband spoke out about the importance of gun safety laws. Rachel DeVino, 29, barricaded her classroom to try and keep the gunmen from getting to the children. Her boyfriend had asked her parents' permission to marry her days before the shooting. He was planning on popping the question on Christmas Eve. Rachel was a behavioral specialist and passionate about about her work with children and adults with autism. She was working on her doctorate, and she had just completed the requirements to become board certified as a behavioral analyst. In her time off, she was working on a family cookbook by collecting all of the family's classic Italian recipes. Victoria Soto, 27 years old, died while trying to protect her students as well. Victoria Soto had put her students in the closet by putting herself between her and the gunman and the children. Soto's cousin told ABC News this. The Saturday after she died, Vicky's beloved black lab named Roxy spent the day walking around the apartment looking for her all day. Victoria Soto, the Victoria Soto Memorial was created to support scholarships for future teachers and people with educational
0: endeavors. And that's everyone. That is hard. There's way too many people and it never should have happened. That's why we don't do spree killings and... and
1: and serial killers. Mm-hmm. And school shootings, because I can't handle them, clearly. <laughs> I told you guys I can't handle school shootings and I meant it. I meant it. Yep.
0: This is what happens when you guys when you guys think I can handle stuff that I can't. So you wanna talk to- you wanna talk about how you feel? I look cool. I'm not. I'm a marshmallow. <laughs> um when it comes to
1: this case, how do I feel? Um I have emotions.
0: I just Kylie wanted to tell people how you feel. Okay. Um well, like I said just because I don't sound like I'm crying. I mean it's hard. I don't hard. sound like I'm crying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> You're not crying at all. It's fine. Um what bothers me the most and if you haven't listened to part 1, you should probably do that cuz yeah. Um but what I said in part 1 was that uh there was some neglect i think this is my opinion don't you know quote me or anything it's just my opinion um i think that there was definitely some neglect and the fact that he was pushed under the radar for so many things that could have been at least handled differently or addressed in a medical sense of the term um i just i feel like so much of this could have been avoided and reading all of this information and hearing it and hearing how upset it makes you it's it's infuriating because it's just like there are specific things put in place for people therapy behavioral situations um like rehab type of facilities for mental health like there's so many things that we have on this earth as resources for people that are struggling. And I, I seriously, I believe that there was some serious neglect in the sense that he didn't get the help that he deserved. And, you know, it was a domino effect and all of these people were affected. And then everyone else was affected because of the gun laws. Like, I know a lot of people that are very specific in their sway of their opinion of gun laws. But <clears throat> I also believe like barricading the door. I understand that we've gone through a bunch of things on um, drills and things like that. I mean, we've come a long way since I've been in school because it was like, go under your desk and put your history book on your head. You know, like that's not going to help me. But thank you. Um. I just think that there are so many things that we could do differently in the sense of drills to make sure that we're very much more prepared. Um, you know, you know, hospitals have codes for a reason. Um, so I just I feel like there's so many other things that we could do. Like if those classrooms, I understand, like we could have created a, a chaotic situation if those classrooms had windows going outside to like a corridor or something like that wouldn't you want them outside of the school versus barricading inside of the school like there's just so many things that I I feel like we could address differently in those situations again I'm sad I don't I don't sound sad I understand that please don't Take me the wrong way because I just, I very rarely cry. You could ask Corey. I don't, it just doesn't. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm one of those, I'm one of those people that cry when I'm really mad and it's like, it's got to be more like personal towards me. But this is just infuriating and it sucks and I can't even imagine.
1: I think, I think I'm, I think I'm collected enough to talk. Okay. How do you, how do you feel? <clears throat> I, um, OK, so I talk in part one that I, I did have some emotions and um, and I felt like that I that Adam was flying under the radar and stuff. And I just that I'm not getting my point across because I'm I am still a little emotional. I'm a little rocky right now. I guess what it all comes down to is. This one sounds like it could have been avoidable mm-hmm. entirely. There are times when I hear about some shootings and things where I'm like, well, if they really wanted to make that happen, there's ways that could have happened. But then there's other times where I hear something and I say that one, there was some things that could have happened to definitely put a blockade in front of that that could have stopped that a lot sooner or faster. We cover that all the time.
0: And there's it's so just, many things that could have been avoided.
1: And I get it. Sometimes you don't see them in the heat of the moment. But when it's a repeated action, there were repeatedly times where we should have seen and there were red flags, red flags, red flags. How many red flags did Adam have to throw up before his family maybe noticed that something was wrong to the point where he needed some sort of more help or something? And because of that. Nancy had to die, but as well as Adam had to die and as well as all of these people had to die. And now all these people have to suffer. I am a random person living in the Midwest who has no correlation to this case. I have no correlation to any of these humans. I have never been to fucking Connecticut in my life. Do I want to go to Connecticut? No. Do I even know? Could I tell you? Could I point to where Sandy Hook is on a map? Nope. Nothing. I know nothing about any of these things. Does this fucking make me cry to no end and I feel personally attached to this for no reason? Yes. Why? There's no reason. But that's how traumatizing this whole thing is. And it should not be this way because it shouldn't have ever happened in the first place. It's so messed up. And it's just, it's, 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 it's hard to hear. It's just, uh, yeah, it's stupid. I don't know any other way to say that without just saying like a dumb word, saying it's stupid, but it's stupid. It shouldn't have happened. It's ridiculous that it did. So many innocent people's lives were ruined because of this. The people that wanted to propose to their girlfriend, the woman's husband, the people, the siblings, the, you know, just anyone. It's a very messed up thing. And the ripple effect of all the people that are going to be affected and stuff. There were signs, there were posters that other children in the school were holding up after this happened that were in the news. And it said my friends shouldn't have had to die and like stuff like that. Other students. And this is a very
0: hard age group to try to understand what just happened. That was something else that I had in my brain. I was like, these are not only kids, but they're they're kids like. Yeah. Explaining those situations and and like that one that's a twin explaining yeah. that yeah explaining
1: death in general yeah is so fucking hard to a child when like a grandparent dies and if you are under the age of like 13 and your grandparent dies it's already hard it's very difficult i'm actually i was reading a book and i just finished it today and in the book it's about a couple and this is relevant i promise in the book the main character is named hayes and hayes is dating a girl named Bella Hayes and Bella are dating Hayes has a child named Ollie. These names sound stupid right now. They do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're all nicknames. Her real name is Attila Lee or someone like that. It's like this Shakespearean nickname, but they call her Ollie. Anyways, Ollie was asking Bella about her life and she's like, Oh, like we're going to my grandparents for the holidays. She's like, after that, like we should go see your parents. Where are your parents? And Ollie's only like four or five. She's like young, young. And Bella's like, how do I explain to her that my parents died in a car crash when I was 16? And so she looks at Hayes and she's like, what do I say? And Hayes is like, just tell her the truth. And so she looks at Ollie and she's like, my parents live too far away. They live up in heaven. I can't go visit them. I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, my grandpa Hampton lives up there. He moved to heaven five years ago or whatever. Like apparently when I was born and like, she kind of understood it, but she kind of didn't. And I was like, oh, that's you know, it's one of those things. Like it's hard to understand when you're a kid. Like sometimes you still are like, but can we visit them? You know, right. like I, I hear kids say things and you know. Um, but like imagine it being like your own sibling and your best friends or the kid you went to school with. Imagine being the one surviving student that was having to play dead under your actual dead students laying on top of you. Things like that. I could not. The trauma that is going to follow some of these children around. The I'm a person that has PTSD from loud noises because of things. Imagine these children and Mm -hmm. things. I just can't. It's all of this could have been avoided and all the problems that it's going to cause for so many reasons. Horrific. So wow. I'm so fucking glad we're done with this. (laughs) We're never ever going to talk about it ever again. It is now You know how Kylie? Sometimes you forget things about cases. Uh Scrub everything Sandy Hook from your memory because we're never talking about it again. You know how sometimes we make the joke available in the archives? Never again. We don't talk about it. It's it's gone. Okay. Never again. Anyone wants to say, did you ever cover that? Nope, we didn't. If we did, you have to find it yourself. (laughs) Okay. I'm done. I'm done being sad. I'm good. I got this. You're good. Yeah. Um. Thank you guys for listening this week's case. Sorry, I was emotional. Uh, Someone earlier this week had sent us a DM. I'm going to break character for a minute and I'm going to break the fourth (laughs) wall and read read character for a minute. This is going to be really funny. Because we got two DMs this week and they're going to be relevant. This one person said, I like your podcast because it gets me through my work shift. You guys are one of my favorite podcasts I found. Listening to you guys, you know, it gets me sidetracked. Listening to you guys get sidetracked over the tiniest stuff is hilarious. It makes it more fun. It gives you guys that. And then they put little stars around it. Personality. So that was part one. And then the second person said, I love how comical and collected Dina is when they talk about everything. <laughs> Putting those two together. And now I just fucking cried during an episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Psych
0: bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Fooled you. <laughs> So that'll be funny when you guys listen to this one, won't it? Yeah, now you know (laughs) us a little bit more, don't (laughs) you? Yep. Mm, That personality really shined through tonight. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So feel free to always tell us what you guys think of episodes. If you guys have suggestions that aren't like this one, feel free to go ahead and let us know and I'll cover them. I'm going to take a break from a child case for a while. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's Uh do like a cryptid maybe or something. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Now we have another really sad case next week. So can't wait. For Christmas? For Christmas. Why not? It's not Christmas themed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us after dark. We can't wait to chat with you next week for another new episode. Sleep tight.
1: listener, did you have some feedback about this week's case? Or maybe you want to chat with us. Maybe you even have a suggestion you'd like to throw our way. We're always just a click away. You can easily find all of our socials on Linktree through Cryptic Soup Pod, which is available in our Instagram bio. You can also join the CSP Discord where we
0: would love to chat with you. Thank you for joining us this week and make sure to check out our sources available in the description if you want to dive deeper into this case. Don't forget to show your support and love for CSP by leaving a review and rating wherever you normally listen. Next week, we will be back with a new episode where you can join in on the conversation after dark. Cryptic Soup Pod is a
1: podcast that contains sensitive material at times. We understand that sometimes the subjects are too much for some of the listeners. We thank each and every one of you for being a member of the community and always supporting us. Thank you for everything and we'll see you next time. So stay tuned. I was trying to think because normally I have something to say and I don't have a single thing to say tonight. So I panicked. So I was like, just say something. And then I was like, oh my God, I have nothing. Then I started thinking, overthinking it and I started panicking. Okay, hold on. Ready? Uh